Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Hey, oh! Did you like that, Dave? Yeah, I was going to say, well, what do you think, you're Ed McMahon? Hey, oh! Guys, it's, it is the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Also, I'm with Dave Jones. This is our last podcast of April. It's the draft weekend, Dave-O. After that, it's Kentucky Derby weekend. I know you don't really give a flying you-know-what about that, but there's some pretty interesting stuff happening in the next couple of weekends. But, Dave, I, I still think there's room for us to talk a little bit about what we saw on a very nice Saturday afternoon at Beaver Stadium, April 23rd, better known as Bobby's birthday. It was not the prettiest of games, but I remember you were impressed. At least it was. you thought you, you were – there was it, there were some spirited – play going on at times during that eight period whatever that was and I just wanted to just, just as they come out of spring practice we heard from James Franklin on a number of things I just wanted to go over a couple of strengths potential strengths and maybe what you think is you know obviously we could talk about the offensive line but other than the offensive line maybe what you might be most concerned about moving forward before they get to August practices so where do you want to start my man the first guy that the, the the main guy that I noticed out there and I was watching was the kid from Western Kentucky, the wideout Mitchell Tinsley. You know, I'm a big fan of those Wednesday and Thursday and Tuesday games in the middle of the week with the small conferences. I I love that stuff, and I happened to watch them very nearly beat Indiana in. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Remember, we were talking about that game. and, and Yeah, they threw the ball on every play, right? Yeah, and they had that kid who's like a system quarterback. He wasn't even their leading receiver. They had some guy who had ridiculous numbers. No, they had a bunch of guys, but it was an interesting offense, and he was an interesting – I noticed all the wideouts in that game, and I noticed him. I think he's going to be a really good addition. I think he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, is he going to be able to replace Jahan Dotson? No, but uh, I think he's going to catch the ball kind of the way Parker Washington does, who we didn't see at all, did we? We he didn't he didn't play, right? Yeah, I think they were they were holding him out. I, I you know the the rumor mill was was grinding away. I don't think he was a hundred percent for that game, and even if he was, I would not risk that guy's way too important. I mean, that's it. Yeah, he did not play. Well, Tinsley's a little bigger than he is, and uh, you know he's a, over 200 pounds, I believe, and he's he's going to be durable, I think. Indiana, being what it is, I mean it is Indiana, but but that's usually a pretty representative defense. And they couldn't stop him. Uh, they couldn't stop any of those guys that night, and it was a crazy, it was a wacky game, and it was before uh, they had all their injuries, so they were a pretty good team. They were not the team that they became later in the year. And that was a that was a rodeo, man. That was a that was a wacky game. It's like thirty three, thirty one, or some weird score. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of player he was. And I think he's I think he's going to be a good player for him. They need as many wideouts to to replace 
dots and by committee, I think, as they can get, right, wouldn't you say? They do. And James said after the game, uh, I thought one of the more fascinating comments after the game, and I thought he had a couple of comments that kind of really, you know, I, that really made me kind of sit up a little bit. And I'm not even talking about that weird answer to start of your question, but he said. And you, you don't sit up easily. I do not sit. I like to slouch, Dave. So I, he said that maybe not at every position, but he thought that this is one of his deepest teams uh, at Penn State meaning that he didn't see a lot of drop-off between the ones and the twos and maybe even some of the threes. And when you lose as many good players as Penn State lost, and again, we didn't get to see a lot. I mean, you know, the media availability is in spring, Dave. It's like 10 minutes of practice on a Wednesday, and eight of it is special teams kicking. So they're not showing anything. They didn't show anything in the blue-white game. But I don't think James would say that. Coming off a seven and six season with those kind of personnel losses, you lose six of your last eight. I don't think James would have said that if he really didn't believe it. And that has me thinking a little bit differently because I think I said in the video, boy, it could be it could be a year where, you know, it might not look that different than last year in terms of wins and losses. It might not be as as bad at the end as it was this year, but. It, that gave me a little pause. I'm just wondering if maybe there's some players that they really feel good about that we didn't see a lot of. Uh, well, they, he, clearly, he clearly feels pretty good about the secondary. If they're going to give up Sutherland from the secondary to be uh, an outside linebacker, that's one indicator. Uh, he, he gave a shout-out to Kalen King, who we know is a stud, who, who he said had a really good spring camp. And what you're talking about here is it's so important these days to start quickly, start optimistically with some reason for optimism. Well, where are they going? Their first game, they're going to Purdue, which has almost never had a decent running game. They're going to have to defend the pass. So their back seven is everything in that game. And if the secondary is as good as he says it is, they're going to be able to have a chance to win that game. Because, uh, you know, Jeff Brom, he's <laughs> every year – he puts together a really good passing game. We haven't seen him in a while. Have we seen Jeff Brom at all? I can't remember. Uh, we, have, we have not. They have not played during the Jeff Brom regime at all. Didn't he, didn't Purdue come in in 2019 early and they got whomped? I think he was the coach then. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That they, they actually, I think, was that the year they beat Ohio State? I don't know. That was 18. But anyway, that was a decent team. But they got, they got stepped on pretty good by Penn State. Right. But – I don't. Uh, there have been no trips to West Lafayette, and darn um, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how about how about you and West Lafayette on a Wednesday night, Bob? <laughs> I will be unchained, Davey, because it's a night kick. Plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time to hydrate and get rested up the next day. I'm excited about a Wednesday. We'll probably be in Indianapolis and drive-in, but yeah. We always go to Indianapolis and drive. Yeah, and we have a, we have two different chances. Hey, if Penn State goes to the Big Ten championship game, we'll have three trips into Indianapolis just like we did in 2016. Yeah, yeah. I'm 100% with you on the secondary over. I think even safety could be – yeah, they lose Brisker, and that's a huge loss. But uh, I, I thought Saki Wheatley, the kid they moved from uh, corner to safety, certainly looked like a playmaker. I think Jair Brown is one of the better safeties in the country. They like another safety by the name of Jalen Reed, and they have another – uh, Keaton Ellis is a guy that's played a lot of football at Penn State. That's a pretty decent 
rotation of four to go with the cornerback room that also includes Daquan Hardy as kind of like the nickel slot. And uh, I keep I always forget John Johnny is a Johnny Dixon, the, the transfer from South Carolina, I think is also pretty good. I'm with you on the secondary. I just other than Curtis Jacobs at linebacker, I, I think that there might be a little bit of concern there. I mean, Manny might play a different kind of defense where maybe there's only two linebackers on the field. I don't know. And then I think it's going to really, really depend, Dave, on the defense, on how 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 quickly P.J. Mustafer can bounce back and also Adisa Isaac staying healthy for a full season. I, um, I think that's going to – those are two real big keys. And Adisa certainly looked like he was back or close to being all the way back. The fact that they played him at all in the spring game, I thought, was a good sign that there were no reservations. He said, I think, afterwards in the interview room that it was an Achilles injury that – kept him out all of last year and you never know how people are going to come back from that but I agree with you on the secondary if they're going to have a good year that secondary is going to I think lead the way on the defense when they've won had these upsets and games where they've they've won their passing game Purdue's passing game has always been the facet that you went wow and they had some wow players I think that plays into the strength of Penn State's defense the last couple of years and probably this year so where where that looks like kind of an imposing game, a road trip there, I think it's a pretty good matchup for Penn State, given what they are and what they have back. So I, w- I would actually be cautiously optimistic about that game. What would you right now set that line at? It's, it's all, we're not even in May, but what's your opening line? What do you think it will, when it comes out, what's it going to be? I think it'll be even. I think it's a pick em. Because no one's going to know who that, what the hell anyone has. And Penn State is already is a little bit over considered by betters simply because, you know, they're, they're trying to set the line so that, that money's even. The money's even. And Penn State betters early in the season are always too overzealous. They are always, I don't know about this year, but they're usually pretty optimistic until they're shown otherwise. And that's always been the history. Uh, what should it be? Based on recent history, it should probably be Purdue minus two or Purdue minus three. I was thinking somewhere between two and three right now. Um, I, I know that Purdue lost some very, very good players, but I do think he's a tr- his he's got he's a really good coach. The quarterback's back, and usually his schemes and adjustments can usually. I mean, they they uh, they handled a couple of teams in the Big Ten pretty easily last year that were pretty decent teams. They won at Iowa with ease. The game at Iowa was impressive because, see, that's that's you could rationalize that that's a Penn State type of matchup where Iowa's a physical team. But I think Penn State has a lot more speed than Iowa did. And I still believe that Penn State would have won that game at Iowa by two or three touchdowns if Clifford doesn't get hurt. And I think they were showing it. But the problem is what happens uh, late in the season doesn't usually look like what happens early. This is early. This is a game with all of Penn State's athletes, whoever they had, healthy and everyone ready to go. Of course, Mustafer got hurt in the, the early on in that Iowa game. But if if this is the very first week, if everyone stays healthy, Purdue is never going to have as many great athletes as Penn State does. So I, I think it probably will be Purdue minus two, minus three. But what should it be? You know, probably – I, I think it's actually going to be a pick but it but probably based on, on recent history, Purdue has done so well that they'll probably make it a minus two or minus three. That's all. Yeah. 
the one other reason it wasn't just Franklin's comments about the depth, but the one other reason that I think Penn State on offense is doing a little sandbagging in a good way is Nick Singleton throughout the preseason and even during winter conditioning, he was getting shout outs from his teammates. He was a guy that was making something out of nothing and he was breaking off long runs. And then Dave, we get to the blue and white game. We barely see Nick Singleton. And I think Penn State does not want the rest of the college, college football world to know just how good a player this guy is. He had four carries in the game for like minus one yard. They got him They got him the ball once in the passing game, and I think he got loose for 27 yards. I think they have a stud at running back. And I think either you're not going to – if he was hurt, you don't play him. Uh, but you're going to give Kevon the ball a lot. You're going to give Katron Allen the ball a lot in this game, but you're not going to show a lot of Nick Singleton. To me, it's classic James Franklin sandbagging in a good way. I think we're going to be talking a lot about Nick Singleton in the fall. Well, you, you're not you're not talking about other coaches. You're talking about fans, right? Because everyone knows who Nick Singleton is. No, I'm talking about other teams. There's no tape really to study of him and how they're going to use him well, based on what you saw in the blue-white game. I mean, it, it, they were four basic runs. He gave him the ball once where he got loose in the passing game and they took him out of the game. I'm telling you, I don't think they want, I don't, I just think that's, they're going to, they're going to unleash this kid in a prominent role. I mean, I don't think it does them any good if he carries the ball 10 times in the blue white game and one of them is for an 80 yard touchdown run. Now, who would you compare that to last year on Big Ten football? The same kind of thing that happened. And all of a sudden, this kid took, Took the whole league by storm. Yeah, so but wasn't he a pretty good player at Wake Forest, though, or no? Are you talking about Kenneth Walker? No, I'm not talking about Kenneth Walker, but that's another that's another good answer. But, yeah, that is actually a better answer. I was talking about Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. Oh. Only Jeff Patrikas that I talked to knew how good Braylon Allen was. And he told me early on from the Wisconsin, the, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, how good this kid was and to watch out because he was only 17. <laughs> he didn't even play the first four games. I don't think that's going to happen with Singleton, but Braylon Allen ended up gaining, what was it, 1,500 yards in basically eight games? I mean, it, it was amazing. Uh, I believe he was first team all Big Ten, wasn't he? Or was he second Yeah, team? Yeah, yet another reason that I think Penn State caught a break in Madison last year. <laughs> yeah, they really did, because he didn't play. <laughs> Ches Malusi. Yeah, Ches Malusi played the whole game, and Braylon Allen did not play. I don't think that's going to happen with Singleton. Do you? Do you think Singleton's like not going to play against Ohio? And uh, they got to open up. They've got to open up at Purdue. They got to use it. Yeah, I, they are. But I just think that they are like, hey, let's just not uh, let's not show our hand. Like I think he's a five star. Everyone gets that, but let's not give them anything really to worry about. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. I got something to ask you now. You think they have their left tackle, right, with uh, Fashano? Yes. So you're not worried about left tackle. 
Well, I think that he is clearly their best left tackle option. I mean, I, I don't know that they have anyone better. That's why I think he's their left tackle. He's, you think he's a solid pick anyway for, for that position? He'll have some growing pains, though. He definitely will. I mean, the Big Ten, the Big Ten off the edge, you just have to look no further than this year's, this year's draft. Uh, not only Ebiketti, but the Purdue kid. They, there's always five, six, the two Michigan kids. There's always six or eight guys in the league in the Big Ten that Penn State's got to deal with off the edge that can be – All the way back to the, the Boses. Problematic. Yes. The Boses and everybody else. Uh, well, Olu is their best guy, I think, clearly, but I don't know what that's going to mean when they go to play at Michigan. And so you got, you've got Caden Wallace on the other side, who should be better. You have a, a center who probably should have been playing center before but didn't, too. You're pretty confident about. The question is this. I've seen situations – where a thin offensive line, I mean, they don't even have the, the – I guess Scruggs is one guard. What's going to happen at the guards? And if you have no depth on the offensive line and no ability to mix and match different guys and no seven or eight deep, any injuries just throw you into total chaos. Can they possibly survive? Scruggs will be the center. And so the question is, like, how good do they feel about – uh, Salim Wormley at I think he would be the right guard and the young he was a pretty sobbed after recruit he's I meant Wormley at the guard I'm sorry uh, yeah, yeah that's okay yeah, yeah I know I know I know what you Scruggs mean is the center, but Wormley you feel pretty good about Wormley as one guard or not no, I feel I think I feel better about Landon Tangwall at the other guard uh, other guard spot Salim Wormley had Wormley had a, a I think it was a lower leg injury and he missed I think all of last year James said that he was performing like he was going to be a starter before he got hurt. Just watching him, know in practice and even in a blue-white game, he still looks like he's moving around at not 100%. He looks like he's a little tender uh, in the lower half. I wonder if he'll be at full strength maybe in August because I, I think he's not all the way back from that injury. But there's a guy coming in uh, from F- FCS from Cornell, Hunter Norzad, that they're going to, I think, take a long look at in August. But even then, Dave, you're talking about six guys. That's a, see. That's the point. I mean, if you if you wanted to feel good about three guys, uh, you think Scruggs will probably be an upgrade over Miranda, right at center? Yeah, and m- many do. Then you've got the the two tackles, which you feel pretty good about. But when you don't have six or seven or eight, you know, seven or eight guys, you can mix and match and give breathers to the other guys. Guys get tired. They start to favor maybe a sore leg or ankle and then and then bad things happen. I've seen this happen with thin offensive lines with no depth. In fact, it happened to my uh, nephew at Maryland a couple of years ago in 2019. They had what they thought was a pretty good offensive line, but they had no depth behind them. And and they played really well in the first uh the first series game against Syracuse, they blew them out. Everyone, Syracuse was ranked. People forget that. Uh, that Syracuse team was ranked, and they blew them out. But everyone was healthy on the offensive line. The next week against Temple, they got one guy hurt, and then it was like a, a house of cards, man. It's dominoes because you get into a couple of guys who can't really play or you're rushing into service on the offensive line. It's not You can't hide them, man. Defensive coordinators, they seize on that guy and they put their best people across from him and they pound that weakness, they pound that crevice, and they start to get leakage. We can't have leakage. We can't have this leakage. Where's that from? 
We can't have leakage. Is it a, is it an NFL is it an NFL films clip or a movie clip? I see I see too much leakage. That's Hank Stram in Super Bowl four. Easily, easily the easily the the great toupees in NFL coaching history were worn by Hank Stram. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. So all hell broke loose on that team. And next thing you know, Josh, who kind of like Sean Clifford, not the greatest wheels in the world as far as you know, sturdy and able to take punishment, but but not a lot of escapability. Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough then. It, it's it's one thing to have five good guys and then two or three guys who you can depend on for 15 or 20 snaps. So you, you can go in there and put them at places where before anyone knows where the weak spots are, they're out of there. But, but when you have to depend on a guy starting who really shouldn't be out there on the offensive line, you cannot hide them. And that is the issue to me for especially after after the non-conference season is over. Week three at Auburn, that's when you're going to learn about yeah, yeah, offensive yeah, line. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Dave, we're going to move this along here on the blue-white breakdown. Let's talk a little bit. It's Tuesday, so it's nothing is official, but it sure sounds like Penn State is about to pull their trigger on an AD hire. It sounds an awful lot, Dave, like they have the person uh, they want to replace Sandy Barber, and the news could happen probably in the next couple of days. As we talk about this, we've been burned before, so it'll probably happen two hours after we wrap this up. But what what can you share maybe about the the reports about the the AD search? Well, Pat, a buddy of mine um, from who you probably know from Boston, from the Boston, formerly from the Boston Globe, uh, called me about Pat Kraft uh, like a month ago. Patrick Kraft, right? That's the that's the name. Yes, and thinking that maybe he could be a candidate here, and that he expected him to be, and he um, did a little work on it. But I mean, it's not it's not something that I think fans really, you know, whenever you write about ads, <laughs> fans fans don't really care about the bean counting. They don't want to know. They don't want to know. Ads are like referees. You only and umpires. You only notice them when they screw up. Well. Pat Kraft, I, I, I made some I made some calls and the the word on Pat Kraft, if he indeed is the guy, is that if you want a marketer, you want a promoter, and that's his background from Indiana, where he brought a whole bunch of Indiana guys into Temple uh, when Matt Rule was already hired there by Bill Bradshaw. Uh, he's your guy. If you want necessarily a big picture guy and a leader. A um, CEO, maybe not. I don't. I don't know. Um, and we haven't seen anything to be able to judge him on a on a, a level of that Penn State will offer him. I mean, BC is not Penn State. They have issues and they have challenges. But he hired a basketball coach there. He did not hire Jeff Halfley. Uh, he did not hire Matt Rule. He ended up hiring a couple of football coaches, one of whom was Manny Diaz, who lasted for, uh, what was it, 16 days at Temple? <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't great. Uh, such a great hire. And, That'll uh, be an awkward reunion at State College, <laughs> won't it? Hey! <laughs> How you doing? Remember me? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they get along. I know. I, I believe he and Rule still get along. But they had the kind of the best of all worlds there. Uh, with that crew when Matt was there. And whenever I go to see Matt at Temple, 
he seemed very happy with the way things were. So there's there's pluses and minuses with everybody, I think. Uh, Sandy Barber, you wouldn't call her the face of the athletic department necessarily, would you? It's James Franklin. He, he's always been. This this guy might be kind of the counterpart of James Franklin from, from what I have heard. A lot of hype, a lot of marketing savvy will say sizzle, okay? If people like that, then they like it. And if they don't, they can blame him for things, which is what they usually like to do to ADs anyway. Uh, I believe you hear Jeff Collins also at, at Temple, and then he took off. And then Rod Carey, Rod Carey, which did not work out so well, uh, who, you know, that was a hire where he had been at Northern Illinois in that, that system that had already been built up by our buddies at Minnesota uh, had turned into a, a – and he basically turned it from a 13-0 and team into – I think there was like 6-7 and 6-6-7 six, six and seven the next couple of years when um, Kraft hired him at Temple. So not the greatest tire in the world. Well, it's a mixed bag with this guy as far as his history. We will see. Dave, real quick. So Penn State uh, had a, I think, a search committee for for this hire. And like I said, it's not official. But my question for you is, do you think there's any chance that James didn't have some say in in whoever the even – if, even if it's not – I mean, I, would, I have to think that James – with with his uh with his lengthy deal and he, t- talking about what he he really needs to compete, I have to think that James was looped in on this from day one. Whoever. The well, everything I have heard about uh, Kraft is that he's a lot like James. So if you like James's uh, buzz, his hustle, whatever you want to call it, you will like Kraft. If you don't like it, if that rubs you the wrong way, well, you're going to have double trouble now. That's that's. <laughs> That's that's what I have heard. But like I've never I don't remember running into him down there at uh, uh, on 10th Avenue tenth and, and at Temple at the practice complex or anything. So I have not had any direct um, rapport with him whatsoever. So this is, this is only stuff. This is only hearsay. Yeah. OK. I got you. Tw- double the fun. You're saying double the fun potentially. <laughs> at Penn State. That's what I, that's what my takeaway is. <laughs> All right, Davo, we're gonna let we're gonna let the uh, the listeners and the viewers go. It is Tuesday. Our Dave and I are finishing up our last April Blue White Breakdown podcast. Congratulations, by the way. I think you know what we should, congratulations to Daniel Gowan, uh, our colleague who is now who is now aligned with two four seven Sports. Daniel was on the Penn State beat with us for a year. I could not have been more impressed with the job that he did. There's a reason why a sharp guy like Mark Brennan pursued Daniel Gallen, wooed him, wined and dined him. He couldn't say no. Mark's a charmer. But in all seriousness, Daniel did a fantastic job. I'm glad he's still covering Penn State football so we can run into him, you know, every weekend. But I just wanted to, I thought it was important to, to just note how much he meant, I think, to Penn Live's coverage. And he will be missed. Although he might have his eyes on the ACC down the road. I would just, <laughs> I, let him get his feet wet with Mark. Let's all do that. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. We will be back next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live. Pen Live.